episode 20 of the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy Hostler, and I'm your host today. And you're not going to believe the guest I have for you today. It is Dan White. He's the CEO of Local Vor. It's in Burlington, Vermont. And Local Vor is a locally owned business that exists really just to support and promote other local businesses within the area. Now, they highlight local businesses each day. They present an offer for local businesses. And it really just serves to help promote local business and local buying throughout the different communities within Vermont. So it's a great business model, and I know it's something that's going to be so exciting for our local independent business owners to hear today. So, Dan, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you today. Thank you so much, Christy. So now, can you to be here? Well, I am just glad you've taken the time out of your busy schedule to join us. But can you give us? A, I know there's a whole lot more to your story than just what I've talked about. So, can you kind of back us up and give us a little bit of history about yourself and kind of yeah. how you got to where you are today? Sure. Well, I was born and raised in Evanston, Illinois, uh, just okay. north of Chicago. Um, <clears throat> I I graduated from the University of Wisconsin, Madison. In 2008, and I was a student of economics and a student of entrepreneurship there. Um, and I've always been a kind of a, you know, a, a very business-minded individual, um, mm-hmm. entrepreneurial from from the early ages. But um, you know, I moved to Boulder, Colorado after I graduated, mm-hmm. and I moved into a house with uh, a bunch of guys that. <laughs> just been good college buddies with my high school friend who went to Colorado University. And uh, they were all from Burlington, Vermont. Oh, really? So, yeah. And so, you know, having gone to school in Madison, Wisconsin, and Bol- and living in Boulder, Colorado, and meeting, meeting people from Vermont, you know, I was always uh, in bi-local communities, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm, right. And the the business I was working for in Colorado was called Eco Products. Um, and they had a subsidiary that I was uh, working for, which was called Ellie's Eco Home Store. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> um, it was a 10,000 square foot eco-friendly retail store where we were selling all things, you know, environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it was kind of a cross between Home Depot and Target. Um, okay. In in a in a shopping mall next to a, a popular uh, healthy grocer. Um, okay. It was a great concept, fabulous concept, and um, it was a startup, though, right? Um, we were right. competing against Target and one-stop shop. You know, eight hundred pound gorillas, right? So right, exactly. That concept, I think, is has failed. I don't know if they're still doing online sales or not, but one thing that that taught me was that even though the consumer wants to be socially responsible, Mm -hmm. um, price is still the 
driver of demand, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you think about buying local, and it's kind of in the consumer's reference point, it's it's typically higher than not buying local, right? It's cheaper to yes, go to McDonald's exactly. than it is to go to a farm-to-table restaurant. Absolutely. Right? So, you know, that was kind of a, a pain point and an entrepreneurial lesson that I took a mental note of. So mm-hmm. then I moved back to Chicago and lived at home with my parents for a while, you know, when I was 23, 24. And I sold cars at a local um, car dealer called the Auto Barn uh-huh. uh, in Evanston. So I wanted to get some sales experience where I was actually, you know, in a negotiation you know, right. Not just, yeah. Not just at a retail store getting paid hourly. Right. Um, and it was cash for clunkers. So, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> great. Great time to get into biz. That is. <laughs> and selling cars, is a, selling cars is a great experience. Um, I did it only for six months. But, you know, it was just a great experience in, in terms of learning a thing or two about sales. Oh, sure. Um, but then I said to myself, you know, where's my generation really making it? Um, what industry should I focus on? And that was tech, tech startups and technology uh-huh. companies was really right. what I thought is like, okay, you know, here's something that you can be an expert in um, and, and, you know, people two generations above you. Uh, would be beginners. Yes, true. Um, that's that's an advantage to me as a <laughs> right as, because experience, experience has value, right? Right. So I said, okay, well, I just got to jump right in. So I got in touch with a, a college professor um, at Wisconsin at the Granger School of Business. Uh, his name's Phil Kim, and he's kind of been an advisor since I took a course of his in college and. Oh, okay. He, he linked me up with um, a couple entrepreneurs, Jesse Davis and Nate Lustig, and they had a concept called Entrusted that I think was acquired a few years ago. And so I kind of just jumped right in with them and worked for hardly any pay, but did sales for them. And, you know, mm-hmm. I did get paid a little something, and, you know, I had a, a startup experience. So I. Ah. Very critical. And while I was doing that, you know, I was also doing a lot of my own research on, you know, different tech startup industries and Mm -hmm. where to put myself as a person knowing that one day I'd like to start my own business, but I want to gain experience. And, you know, a a lot of great entrepreneurs start in sales. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um. I learned a little, I, I found out about the daily deal model and what Groupon was doing. And so I actually sought out a, um, a startup daily deal site in Chicago that, mm-hmm. that failed called foxwing.com. You know, this was at a time when I think there were close to 600 daily deal startups that oh, wow. throughout the country, right? Wow. Very low barriers to entry here. Right. The, right. You can buy the software online and start trying to run deals, you know. 
Yeah. But, you know, after that experience didn't go so well, I just, I, I, and I realized how powerful Groupon was in the home market. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, I applied and they, uh, I started working at Groupon. Oh, wow. And, okay. Yeah. And so I was, you know, probably rep number 300 something, right? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the state of Illinois, just giving them a nice little grant to, to hire. And, uh, I was really excited because I was just happy to have this experience mm-hmm. and uh, learn from some pretty great teachers that are actually your coworkers and managers. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of talent that, that Groupon pooled. Um, oh, sure. To build that company, which is really awesome to have, have been a part of that. So, um, you know, it was October 2010 when I started there, and that was the cover uh-huh. – that was when that was the same month Andrew Mason was on the cover of Forbes. Okay, I saw that article. It was fastest growing company in the history of business. So sure. Pretty cool experience for a young young guy like myself. Yeah. And uh so I launched a few markets and doing sales you hear the pain points mm-hmm. of merchants that you're you're selling to, right? Mhm. Right. And you're also learning what it's like to watch a really high-performance operation happen, you know, Mm -hmm. between, you know, all the metrics that we were given and how we were measured and recorded and, um, you know, the different departments and how how they interacted. And, you know, just being in that environment is a learning experience. Oh, sure. So, um I learned the pain points, right? I learned what, what merchants were saying. And in, in, in the market that I launched, Youngstown, a lot of them were saying, you know, I'm just going to go with the local paper because ah. they're, local, they're local, right? Right. And I've been working with them for years. So I thought that was interesting. And um, a lot of them said, you know, I just hate to discount, right? Just hate right. This. And you know mm-hmm. what? What I've realized talking to thousands of small businesses is there's not one business that does like to discount, including mine. No. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So, but we do it to grow our customer base, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I mean, and grow our business. So, learning those things um, were really key, and then. But but what I what really dawned on me was from from my my past in in these bi local communities and working in a, in, in sustainability, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these a lot of the startups that happen in um, you know on energy projects or compostables mm-hmm. or environmentally friendly things and, and sometimes socially responsible concepts which I really am going after because uh-huh. I think it's important to build a system that gives back to itself, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. so, but a lot of them don't, a lot of entrepreneur, entrepreneurs come without a good revenue model. 
right? Yes, exactly. So when I realized that, oh my God, there's this fabulous revenue model, right? And these inherently buy local purchases because, you know, you're buying, if you live in Albany, New York, and you buy a, you know, a deal on living social, mm-hmm. right? It's And it's to a local restaurant. You're inherently buying something to go to this local business. Right. So you're taking half of 40 to 50% of your transaction now, and it's in D.C., and it's in the Amazon system. Absolutely. And so I'm just, you know, I'm identifying these things and saying, wow, okay, <clears throat> let's not, let's create a platform for buying local that has a non-discount-centric brand. Okay. Because there's, you know, if you think about local work today, Mm-hmm. It doesn't say deal, coupon, half right. off, got to get it quick, 50% it's off. It's going away, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm building a brand that, like, James Beard award-winning farm-to-table restaurants feel comfortable working with as a marketing partner. Ah, okay. And by having those businesses, we can – grow a bit a better and bigger customer base to support the micro entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Right? Who's just putting out their small food products or you know, starting their, their first yoga studio. Uh-huh. Right. Oh yeah. Right? Well and it's all about building the community. I mean do through doing that it's building the communities. Yeah. And, and one thing we love to do is tie in nonprofits to the campaigns mm-hmm. because it, okay. it, it alleviates the discount uh, appeal even, you know, effect even more in the perception mm-hmm. of the merchant. Because, you know, when we're doing these, we're, if we say pay 10 for 20 toward, um, you know, a restaurant, right? Uh-huh. We're not actually discounting the restaurant's pricing at the point of sale when the customer is having the experience mm-hmm. the part, the prices on the menu stay the same so it's essentially just a gift certificate so but, but gotcha the, for ten dollars but, but a merchant doesn't look at it like that a merchant says a small business owner usually says well i'm still discounting my food mm-hmm. and i don't like that because i'm i'm a very high-end restaurant and i Oh, absolutely. And so I respect that. And um, I try to do, you know, at the end of the day, though, customers buy these because they're money-saving offers. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, and we're all consumers, and we all we all know what it means to save some money. Right. So that's, we're kind of dealing with, we're balancing both both sides of the equation, you know, the consumer and the merchant. So whenever you did those, um, you, you actually started Local Vore, local Vore Today, um, did you have, I mean, you, you essentially had the, the best of both worlds as far as trying to do the Groupon revenue model with meeting the needs of the local businesses that you'd already heard all their pain points. But did you know at that point in time how you were going to tie in the nonprofits? Had you already worked that out yet? Um, yeah, be, well, 
I didn't really work it out. It's more about, mm-hmm. you know, um, I wouldn't say that it was on the forefront of my mind um, mm-hmm. prior to me moving to Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, um, so I moved here in August of 2011. Okay. And I kind of just, you know, one of the things that helped me out entrepreneurially was my my friend's mom let me live in her house for for nine months, you know. Oh, wow. Wow. I've I've helped out around the house and, you know, paid my dues, but Mm -hmm. it really helped me get my feet on the ground here. Sure. So I, um, I, and I was able to find a little part-time work, you know, after five. So I could, Uh could, one of the things that really helped me was I was able to work full-time on it. Gotcha. And by, you know, I, you know, and I found my partner and we, we basically, you know, started building the product and finding email subscribers. So I would kind of mm-hmm. do a lot of grassroots networking, <clears throat> excuse me. And really once we got the site off the ground, <clears throat> we were thinking in every which way about how can we grow our subscriber list while having hardly any cash, you know? Yeah. You have to yeah. like we had like there was at one point when we launched I think we had you know a few thousand dollars in our bank account. Uh-huh. Um, wow. When I got here, you know, there's not a huge investment community, although in terms of like venture capital, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really looking for venture capital. I was looking for seed money, but most of the feeling was before there's something, you know, happening daily deals is a dried out market and there's too much competition. Okay. So there were a lot mm-hmm. of invest, you know, skepticism from investors. Sure. Which was only natural because, you know, Groupon is about to IPO. So there's Absolutely. a lot of, like, let's see what yeah. happens. Right. So I kind of just said, okay, I gotta, I gotta just start bootstrapping and, you know, do this. Right. And, and here are the pieces to the puzzle, email subscribers, merchants, and a platform. You know. Okay. So we, you know, we launched August twenty seventh, two thousand twelve, and it's been about a year and a half. <clears throat> and I think from the, the nonprofit idea comes from the fact that we want to be a charitable organization, anyways. Uh huh. Um, <clears throat> and what a better way, though, you know, to help because a lot of merchants are writing checks to nonprofits. Mm hmm. <laughs> and we can help right. give them some PR to, for that and tie it into the consumer purchase, uh-huh. you know, which makes, which is stronger. It's the collective buying power that we're, we're using of the customer base to really, you know, acquire new customers and, and help businesses grow. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So at the end of the day, it brings another marketing partner to the campaign there they don't have to solicit for money and it just adds mm-hmm. another another win into the equation everybody wins absolutely um, and you know and, and the the inherent win with us is that because we're local the community is is really the i guess you could say the fifth or sixth win right uh-huh like yes. group on you would, you would talk about the win 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 you know, Groupon makes money, merchant, customer, 
right? Right. Uh huh. I'm adding nonprofit, and then I'm adding if you put those four together, it equals community. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> and it's a lot of fun. I mean, the, the, we're we're Vermont's a very special place because we have you know uh, a smaller community and it's very sure. focused, on, focused on food. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, so there's there's that there is that. Um, you know, when the, the term the terminology "buy local" often gets associated with food, mm-hmm. you know, and but my the and I, I I totally get that. And one of the things this is I'll I'll tell you a quote I like that um, an author uh, um, Bill McKibben wrote the deep from Deep Economy is he said you know the economy is fifty percent tied directly to the food system. Oh, right? wow. Uh-huh. And that makes sense, kind of, if you, you think about consumers as humans, right? The uh-huh. Thing, we, we all have to eat to survive. Uh, yes, we do. <clears throat> so it makes it makes perfect sense. But buy local, to me, always was about economics, right? Where, okay, even if you go to the pizza restaurant and all the ingredients aren't local, locally sourced, it's better for your community than Domino's. Yeah, right. At yeah, this, absolutely. At this stage in our country's economy, that is the truth. Yes. So I completely agree with that. So that's where do I want that pizza shop to to have more local ingredients? Yes. But do I realize where we're at right now? Mm-hmm. I also do. So I want to help grow the local economy. So one day that cheese is better tasting and more affordable for that pizza restaurant. Right. So that's why I I won't shut out a a merchant in our community that isn't a hundred percent local food, but I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm asking the the best businesses, which in Vermont are the farm to table restaurants to, to work with us to, to grow the community. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I was going to say it's hard in so many communities because it really isn't possible to be a local purist in everything right. that you you consume and it, maybe we're moving we're we're moving the needle much further on that than we were 10 years ago yeah. but we're just not there yet. So I think every little step is a step toward progress. So that's definitely a good thing. Now, when you started your business, what what was your biggest fear? I mean, you you kind of had a place to stay and a little bit of part-time income coming in, but what was your biggest fear when you started out? It's still my biggest fear. <laughs> oh, has it, has it gone away yet, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not something that I believe will happen, but it's a it's the fear of, you know, financial failure. Um due to unforeseen market forces, you know? Okay, okay. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a risk that I'm taking Mm -hmm. that could reap fabulous rewards, right? Right. For me. And I understand that, but that's why I'm aligning it with something I think that socially will carry itself too. But I guess you asked what the fear is, and the fear is, you know, I wake up and I'm, I'm a little bit older and, not a whole lot of money in the bank, right? Right. 
don't have a lot to and, show for it. And it's not the money. It's I want to raise a family. Mm-hmm. I want to own a home. I want to have kids. I want to support them, right? Right. I mean, that's my human emotion, which is which is coming out, but that's true, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the fear of financial failure. It's not the money and the big car, although that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's the intangibles that, you know, you need to live a happy life, I think. Right. Well, and being I mean, able to... Yeah, with being able to establish a business that is in line with your social values and those types of things also mm-hmm. is is a contributing factor to that overall happiness oh, yeah. and feeling like you're making a contribution to the world or to the at least to the community within the world. Yeah, so. and it's it's tough because I want to build a culture too in my company yes, where absolutely where hey you want to work for local war outside of the pay because the pay is good. But mm-hmm. hey, you get to go to local. You get to go to the best local businesses. You get to meet the business owners. You get to right. experience the business communities that exist and connect people to their their local economy. You know, or not or their community. You know, but yeah, you know, and you know, it's kind of it's a good place for um, experienced people and people that are just looking for experience you know uh-huh. I think that's what a tech startup like this offers you know? right exactly now and, let me ask and, you yeah and here in burlington we have a, we have a couple companies dealer.com and my web grocer so unlike being okay Bo- unlike being in boston where there's a million tech startups or silicon valley you know uh-huh. right if i if i create a, a really great tech company here in burlington I'm actually adding to this economic ecosystem on that level too by creating a company where now more talent and developers or salespeople say, you know what, if I if I go to the dealer and it doesn't work out, local is there, my web's there, right? So yeah, in New York, someone. Uh, a job seeker takes a job at a tech startup or a, or a tech company that's, you know, maybe a very successful one. And if they don't like it, they've got hundreds of other options. Tons, yes, they sure do. <laughs> but in Ver- but in Burlington, Vermont, you don't have that many options. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, you have some of the most fabulous brands and coolest businesses ever like Ben and Jerry's absolutely yeah there's a lot of a lot of going on in Vermont I mean I've had the privilege of of meeting Jerry Greenfield you know and wow just getting to share a couple you know minutes of his time is awesome you know yeah definitely and and you you learn from that along the way you're really excited to meet someone like him sure absolutely absolutely and there's and and there's a lot of great people here so you know and but you have cool companies like Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, which is now Cherry sure. Green Mountain, right? And, um, you know, you have products that date back to the 1800s that we all use, like Bag Bomb. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny that you don't realize that Vermont's that some got a of lot the... of great products. Absolutely, and there's so much pride associated with those local products in Vermont as well. Mm-hmm. It's just. It seems like a place that really 
um, wants to keep their products as <clears throat> local and, and sort of true to Vermont values as possible because you see that yeah. over and over again with some of those old brand, older brands, you know, right. that are there. So and that's good. Me, that's a lot of the – if we can really harness that energy, you know, that's only good for, for local war if we can, you know, really keep our Vermont roots, you know. Absolutely. Now, Dan, you had mentioned that you had a couple of people that kind of worked with you, like your professor and that sort of thing that worked with you kind of like as a mentor. What is the biggest lesson you've learned from your mentors? Um, well, I, I, you know, I guess the biggest lesson I've learned from well, you learn something different from from each advisor. Um, uh-huh. I guess I guess the thing I've learned I wouldn't say it's something I've learned from one individual directly, but um, I've learned that if you follow up, you learn more. Okay. Right. So I mean. It's hard to reach out to every. I have a I have a decent number of people I like to keep in in touch with because I uh-huh. I like I like their big business acumen and we we have a good relationship, you know. Uh huh. So, you know, I guess the 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 professor that I took the entrepreneurship class really put a nice framework in my head of, okay, here are all these things that you don't really talk about in business, but in entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. you know, there is a difference between starting a business when you're 16 versus 54 versus 28 versus 35, (laughs) you know, if you've got a baby and a wife and a mortgage, you're not a single young guy, you know, with no debt. Right. Yeah, exactly. It it changes the game dramatically. Yeah. And that's what I meant by getting my feet on the ground with the with my friend's mom who, who mm-hmm. helped, you know, helped me find a place to live for, for a good term, you know, is that didn't, that saved me. I, I felt like I had the time to not, cause I didn't have that extra expense to cover. Sure. Yeah. Right? That's so a huge was, one. Yes. That's, that's huge. Um, but you know, yeah, there's lots of intangibles. Uh, or not, mm-hmm. not intangibles, but um, you know, there's lots of things that are more humanistic, I guess, uh-huh. in entrepreneurship than than it's not all brass tacks and business getting because you want to build a team, right? Right, right, yeah. There is something to be said for that culture, uh, creating that culture. Yeah. At the same time, well. at the same time, you have to know your numbers and you have to know what metrics drive the business, mm-hmm. right? And be very honest with that. And it's, you know, you read the word transparency all the time. You know, oh, yeah. And that's that's not something that's that easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot, you know, you have your tasks throughout the day. And, um, you know, we're as an early stage startup, we're still learning to do, you know, provide more, transparency into our own business so mm-hmm. that's interesting because it's it is i think there there is a trend 
especially after the recession and what people feel like a lot of time, maybe it's the backlash, the corporate backlash or whatever, but they do feel feel more comfortable with companies that seem to have a more transparent business model rather than the cloaked and shrouded in secrecy. And, you know, you don't know that this company is a subsidiary of that company and they're all tied together and, you know, competing against each other. It's just kind of a, a strange a strange place where we are in business where transparency is actually seen as a, you know, a, almost like a mark of your character or your integrity. Mm-hmm. Now, have you, um, you mentioned whenever you got started, you had to do like a lot of grassroots marketing and just really trying to build your email list and all that. Were there any specific um, resources within your community or organizations that you kind of were able to leverage um, any kind of relationship with in order to help get your business off the ground? Yeah, I think uh, the VBSR, Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility, was a a group that has networking events and the Chamber of Commerce Mm -hmm. here has Mm -hmm. networking events. Um, But also just you know, I use LinkedIn a lot, and okay. um, you know, and I had a personal network here. Um, uh-huh. Like I said, I met met a, a bunch of friends who grew up here. Um, sure. In Boulder. So um, yeah, it was a combination of those, but yeah, those maybe the Chamber of Commerce and the VBSR were two. Excellent. Those are great resources, and I'm sure. Some form of those exist in probably almost every community for anyone else out there mm-hmm. that might be listening. Now, Dan, along the way, have you had any any failures or any um, missteps that were great teaching lessons that we could share so other people might not have to make the same mistake you did? Um, I don't look at them as mistakes, really. Okay, okay. As much as I do as just learned experiences. Uh-huh. That, you know, you know, we had we had a kind of funny saying of like, "Don't do what doesn't work." Okay. Which is kind of like a way to say, you know, do what does work, right? And focus on that. Yeah. But, but if you try <laughs> something, if you try something with your business and you recognize that it's not working, it's not necessarily a mistake as much as it is you trying to grow your business and innovate, but without, you know. But you have to learn something from the failure. Yeah, and um, you know, I think, and you hear all those it, terms like fail fast and you yeah, know, all these entrepreneurial buzz buzz buzzwords and whatnot. And it's really just a matter of saying, okay, this is a concept I think would help us. Let's execute on it. And if it doesn't work out the way we contemplated it to, let's recognize that stop it and go back to the drawing board and find out sure. what what is going to work. Right? Right, absolutely. And that's more and of I, an attitude than it is like a, you know, you know, it, well, it's it's more of a, yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like, almost like a, yeah, it's almost like a test and, and assess. So it's like you throw something out there, not not just for the company, sake of throwing it out there, yeah. but but you're constantly experimenting so that you can either say, you know what, this moved the needle, or this didn't, or this seemed to work, but we can tweak it now and maybe try to improve it. So I think there's a lot of that that is very helpful for small business owners. And and not to be afraid to throw something out just to try it, 
you know, as a way to measure it and see, you know, is it something that would, would help me? And if it does, great, let's do more of it. If it doesn't, you know what, that's exactly what we wanted to know by going into it is whether it worked or not. And now we know it didn't work. So it's not a complete failure because we now we know. So I think that's a good way to look at that for small business owners, definitely. Now, for your business right now, uh, what type of marketing strategies are you currently using for Local 4? Marketing strategies? Yeah. What type of marketing strategies are working for you right now? Well, Google AdWords is wonderful for us. Okay. Just a matter of having cash, right? Yes. To, <laughs> yes. to use it. Um, um, Facebook. We spend okay. money on, on Facebook ads and, and try to target effectively there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we love running contests and stuff like that every once in a while and trying to grow our social media list. Have you, um, you've done, but really, you know, what, you know, what's the best marketing for us Tell me. is featuring the best businesses. Oh, okay. You know, actually the best businesses, if you think about it, they help us grow our customer list. Um, and we don't actually spend money to do that mm-hmm. so as much as google adwords and facebook are good drivers of you know new customers you have to pay cash up front to you know sure make yeah. that happen so to me it's just about quality of of merchant partners and you know finding creative ways for them to use our platform mm-hmm. if you know, the daily deal service isn't right for them. Right. Um, it doesn't, you know, and there's, I think there's plenty of opportunities in e-commerce to work with local merchants of that, right. cal- of that caliber. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's kind of like with, with your business model, you know, that merchant relationship that, that you're offering, it kind of is your product. So the higher mm-hmm. the quality of that, the higher quality product you have. You know, mm-hmm. so it does definitely make sense that that feeds off of each other. And the cool thing about Vermont is it's a community that recognizes when, when, when that happens. You know, it's a pitch I make to to merchants, which is you know, mm-hmm. when I'll I'll give you a great example. There's a business called the Heinsberg Public House that just uh, signed up for their first campaign with us. And actually, the owner um, worked for Ben and Jerry's for years. Um, uh-huh. and, you know, was one of the original um, people in the VBSR. Okay. Um, and you know, he understood that, or he, he, you know, he understands that when he features the Heinsberg Public House, um, you know, it's it's a promotional activity that's going to really help us grow our customer list in that sure. local demographic. I mean, if you think of Heinsberg's just outside of Burlington, so there's a community that really frequents the Heinsberg Public House, right? Mm-hmm. And we can expose them to more than those people, right? Mm-hmm. But but it's also, you know, a lot of the people that live near, closer to that restaurant are going to go, are going to buy that deal. Right. And just down the street, maybe a mile or two down the road, is one of my favorite businesses we featured, uh, which is Family Cow Farm Stand. So, 
you know, we literally used a picture of a cow, a dairy cow, uh-huh. right? and, um, you know, the bottling process, and we sold raw organic milk. Uh, we oh, said wow. pay, pay $8 for $16 and go and go to family cow farm stand, and we sold 52 vouchers. Wow. Right? So, right, so the 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 beauty behind working together on you know collectively like this is Hinesburg Public House is going to get a a really great promotional campaign right and we're going to add mm-hmm. a lot of new revenue into his business when you know you know it's it's good so it's good for his business right new revenue mm-hmm. measurable investments in paying customers right mm-hmm. for no out of pocket costs right and so he's getting all that, but he's also getting the satisfaction because we're local and we're, you know, we're serious about our social mission, you mm-hmm. know, that the next time I want to sell, the next time, not I want to sell, the next time Family Cow Farm Stand wants to sell raw milk on local war, we have more customers to provide them to because Heinsberg Public House featured their business on, right. our, on our website. Yes. Instant credibility, right there. Well, and it's community. Well, it's community, right? And restaurants, yeah. restaurants like the Heinsberg Public House, have more demand, right? So they mm-hmm. bring local for more customers, right? Because they do five hundred sales, right? Instead sure. of two hundred, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or if you do a you know health and beauty deal, it's usually a hundred units sold, right? Right. Uh huh. So those are those are good deals because they sell you know, they're higher margins for us because they have higher sale prices. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help Family Cow Farm Stand, right? And that's the staple product of Vermont, you know, milk. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's one of them. It's it's kind of a, you know, and there's, it is in Wisconsin and lots of other states, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just kind of a cool deal aesthetically to, to sell digital vouchers for people to go pick up milk at a farm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's it is kind of a conundrum when you think about it, but it's using it's technology so to get back to to nature. <laughs> yeah, and I think the the thing is the social mission is already tied in. Um so, you know, not every deal has to be an, a non-profit deal, right? Right, a donation of the nonprofit because what we're doing is already already socially responsible and um, a smart smart consumer choice, you know. Sure. Now, for your business right now, the metrics that you're measuring, what tell us about what performance indicators or metrics that you're measuring right now, and why you yeah. feel like those specific ones are important for your business. Sure. Well, the the key revenue driver for us is the opt-in email subscriber. Um, okay. That that person who <clears throat> receives our emails about what we have to offer mm-hmm. um, can then, you know, make the decision whether they want to visit the site and, and purchase an offer or not. So right. the more emails we get, the more customers we, we acquire, and the better it is for just the traditional marketing components of you know, of an email campaign to mm-hmm. for the merchant. Okay. Better for the merchant, the more customers we have, right? Sure. 
So your key thing is the email opt-ins. Now, do you have any, or do you have any idea once you get those, um, you know, you once you get the email opt-ins and you actually get someone to buy um, a, an offer, um, are, do you measure like the repeat? customer or how how many if you're if you buy one offer are you way more likely to buy another one or kind of how what are you seeing with those trends yeah we you know we see some people buy upwards of you know 20 vouchers right and and, oh okay um some people buy two or three some people buy one you know it's kind of all over the board and the honest truth is we want to start a rewards program for our customers. Okay. Uh, it's just challenging to do, um, you know, as a startup with a lack of resources. Um, sure. Because I'm still an owner operator, you know. Okay. Yeah. I get I get to look uh, at the at the startup from a bird's eye view, but I also have to run the day to day. Sure. Um, absolutely. I mean, because we're in a, you know, we're in a really small market. Um, but it's a, it's a small market with a, an awesome community to, to work with. I was going to say, the saturation so is yeah. crazy, yeah. Yeah, and it's connected to the, you know, New England market, so. Sure, yeah. Now, since you are the owner operator and you're doing your, uh, you're, you're the one essentially running the day-to-day of the business, What's what's your favorite tool to use in the daytime, the day-to-day running of your business? What's what's the thing you rely on the most? The thing I rely on the most? Yeah, for well, as far as your favorite tool to help run your business. Oh, myself. <laughs> if I'm feeling good and I have good energy, you know, I'm I'm probably I'm more likely to have a great day. You know. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, and at this point, it's you I mean, and how I, many? You know, and we do a lot of phone. If you want to get more analytical, we get we do more phone calls to set up mm-hmm. appointments. We mm-hmm. like to do face to. I like face to. You know, one of the funny things is I'm I'm from Chicago and I was <clears throat> raised in the Groupon school, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So we made fifty to eighty dials a day. Oh, yeah, okay. We, every every day when we would come in, we'd get a report that said you made this many dials, you talked on the phone this long, you sent this mm-hmm. many contracts out, you got this many contracts back, <clears throat> your average talk time was this number, um, you had this many solid calls, which is more being on the phone than for more than this many minutes. Um, you produced this much revenue, right? I mean, it's just like, and then you get ranked with your Oh yeah. Group, right? <laughs> yes. Exactly. So I mean, this is this is um, that you know that it, that verse. That's where I'm. That's where I was really coming from. So then coming to Vermont and being in a really tight knit community, you know, you've you've got to meet business owners face to face. Yeah. And yeah. Honestly, that's the best part of the job. Oh, I but, would love that as well. <laughs> But what's challenging, what's challenging is to, to touch all the hands mm-hmm. and do some of the other things outside of sales, you know. Um, right. Right. So, but, what, but, but what's great is like, you know, and, and so what I, what I, our, our team, you know, I'm taking both philosophies, right? Mm-hmm. right? Meeting, shaking hands and also, you know, 
calling because I, I don't want to just burst into a business and surprise, here's the yeah. sales rep, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, I'm here. Let's talk about a deal. Weren't you expecting right? me? <laughs> it's more it's more about calling, knowing how to <clears throat> ask for time and attention, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like to say, I want to share my vision with you because we're running a daily deal service right now successfully, but we have we have other goals for growing the local economy with our platform. Mm-hmm. And you find that that face to face is is more successful. I mean, you can actually complete the business and close the deal with a face to face meeting rather than most of the time over the phone. Yeah, I think there's more time. There's more attention, and uh-huh. at the end of the day, you can get better. <clears throat> can have better collaboration right mm-hmm. yeah it's not neither side needs to like hold their cards this is not like yeah. a, this is not a negotiation <laughs> standoff like, it's a, not a standoff yeah. right <laughs> it's not like oh yeah it's 500 i'll give you 450 you know yeah. <laughs> it's like i'm trying to figure out what your cost of goods sold are merchant because i want to structure an offer that works yes absolutely if i structure an offer that works you're going to like our service. You're going to come back as a client, and I've got repeat sustainable business. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, I don't really uh, – that's one of the challenging parts is we're not really coming in there to, like, sell you. We're coming in there to really help you understand Perfect. this business model and work with you and yeah. learn about where you're at, what your pace of growth is, what parts of your business – we can help with and it usually turns out that just a general spend is the best thing for most local merchants mm-hmm. you know and then there's other opportunities to do you know lunch only or this product oh only, yeah right or right you know different things like that that are less appealing but still drive incremental traffic to those you know to that sure. inventory right and sure. it's just more and so that's the that's the kind of the challenging part is we're we're treated more like salespeople because yeah we need to close deals and maintain right. calendar but you know we're looking to have honest conversations and be you know a long-term partner right yeah and that that partnership is so critical and i think maybe you know when you get face to face and somebody can actually talk to you it might be so mm-hmm. much easier for those sales resistances and those barriers to go down with that business owner. So I could see yeah, they, definitely yeah, they how have that to, would be. Yeah, I think they have to trust you. And, yeah. You know, we also want to trust them and work with good business owners, which... Absolutely, you know, yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't do you any good. The majority of business owners are, you know, it's just, yeah. doesn't help your business to send your customers to a business that they're going to hate so, or have a bad experience with, so I can right. see how... You want to be a little bit selective with that. And, now, and that's Dan, where, and that's where this becomes kind of like I think there's a lot to be said about becoming kind of a, a full suite of, of merchant services for local uh-huh. business. You know, uh-huh. I look at crowdfunding as a, a great way to, that that we've we've done once in the past. That's really cool and mm-hmm. a great way for us to have another service that we can offer. Um, I look at. Um, a number of different models, but really, you know, this it, we become kind of con- 
consultants because we absolutely we are talking to every local business and learning mm-hmm. about what they're doing and what's working and what's not. So yeah, I love you know I love that because I I, yeah. I, I like working with small business owners. Yeah, that would that was gonna say that would feed me very much too to have that interaction like that on a daily basis. Now, Dan, yeah. one of the things that I like to ask sure. every business owner that I talk to is um we look for uh holes in the market that maybe you right. have identified that we could share with other people that might be looking for their niche. So are there products or services that you would love to be able to source or find locally in your area but you just simply cannot find them? <clears throat> Um. Hmm. Yeah, deep dish pizza. Oh, yeah, from a Chicago boy, right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. The, the pizza pizza joint down the street's not deep dish, huh? Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's to be exact. That's um, funny. Actually, you can you can order these online, but not locally, right? Yes, so exactly. I, I think. Uh, you no, know, I think. That's a great question, and I'll, I'll you know, there's a, a business that I, I actually started in Boulder mm-hmm. that has a lot of similarities to what I'm doing here, but uh-huh. I think this is how I, you know, one thing I liked about economics as a degree was it's a liberal arts degree, and it's not about um, what to think as it is as much about how to think. Okay. Okay, so, right, I mean, it's much more theoretical and mm-hmm. um, in that sense. Uh, but so anyways, take, I would encourage entrepreneurs to look at how, how more products can be made locally. That uh, aren't, yeah. Uh-huh. That uh, you can provide a higher quality product to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and stay, you know, price competitive. Mm-hmm. And I think so I'll give you an all... example. I'll give you an example. So this is where I feel like um, this is kind of a funny comparison, but these com- these idea these business ideas had the or they're the same business idea in some sense. So when I was working at this uh, store in Colorado, I started making uh, cedar grilling planks. Um, oh yeah, mainly because I recognized that locally made products were something we wanted to carry at the store. Mm-hmm. Right? Boulder, we wanted things made in Boulder and made in Colorado. Um, as much as we wanted things that, you know, paint that was zero VOCs, right? Right. And we certified materials, right? So, okay, these are the trends that are happening. Local, sustainable, eco-friendly, Mm-hmm. Et cetera, right? And when it comes to local, right, Western red cedar, which is the cedar that you use to grill salmon uh-huh. or, or meat to give it a, a flavor, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, a Native American tradition that, um, you know, is rooted in the, the northwestern United States and Canada. Sure, yeah, where, absolutely. Where, where western red cedar grows. Western red cedar, untreated western red cedar, happens to be a, a common uh, building material. So oh, okay. almost every local lumber yard throughout the country is going to have western red cedar. 
Mm-hmm. Lots of decks are made out of that and faucets. Oh, okay. So I was shopping in Boulder one night at a grocer with my friend, and we were going to make some salmon, and we saw these cedar platters, and it was the first time we had seen a grilling cedar plank. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's how I, I, I looked at it, and it was plastic wrapped, and I looked on the label, and it said made in, you know, California or mm-hmm. Georgia or something. So I'm thinking, okay, here I am. I'm in Colorado, in Boulder, um, and I found out that, you know, through a, a general contractor that I was selling building materials to that, that that same wood, you know, he can get any day of the week. Uh-huh. Right? And so I was saying to myself, okay, well, instead of people around here buying cedar platters and having a truck ship them all the way here, I can reduce that, sure. carbon, that carbon footprint, you know, mm-hmm. and try to make a higher quality product. Right. And so I've teamed up with this, you know, interesting guy and he started making cedar platters with me. Wow. Um, and we, you know, it didn't go very far, you know. Um mm-hmm. but but when we put the product on the shelf, I think we made about a hundred total. You know, oh, wow. I had, I had these being carried in, you know, um a nice retail store on Pearl mm-hmm. Street mm-hmm. and we were selling them out of our store, and people really liked them. You know, yeah, they were they were nice. They were thicker, they were smooth and sawn down, and they had a a nice stamp that said, you know, White and Whitney, Boulder, Colorado. Right? Oh, okay. So consumers yeah. would see that Boulder, Colorado, and we'd say, yeah, you know, these are um, handcrafted, you know, locally made cedar platters. And sure. We'd, and we'd explain that simple story of here's where this type of wood comes from. Here's here's the fact that it's already sourced in our community, and we can use this to make a really great product that's fun, lasts long, and is a simple way to be a gourmet chef with your with your yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we become a part of the food and culinary scene, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so that was the market opportunity. It was all about localizing. Wow. It was all about looking around you and saying, can we do this locally? Mm-hmm. Make a higher quality product. Right. Or, or even sometimes make it a recycled and or sustainable type product as well. Kind of goes right along with absolutely, that local. Absolutely. But, and, but, but let's learn how to make money doing that. Sure. Right. Yeah, and I think that's the challenge is like, you know. I think, though, too, even with, you know, local retailers, they are clamoring for more local locally made products. I mean, every local retailer that I have talked to, they say, I would love more things to be made locally because if they were, I would buy them. Oh, yeah. I mean, the market is there. It's just, it's just that it's got to come down to every community being responsible for, uh, right. you know, so, making what's important so to that to community. The, back to the learning lesson from this store that failed is, we the reason why we didn't last was because, you know, I was only there for eight months, so I watched the most of the. No, I was there for a year, but the, the most of it was, um, you know, I'm looking at. They failed after I had left, right? And right. 
But what I what I learned was like people weren't one stop shopping at this store because there's a premium on every product. Ah, right? okay. If I were to go to so, Target and pick up toilet paper, it was going to be marginally cheaper. Right. If I'm trying to one stop shop a home goods store, right, yeah, I you know, it, I I gotta go I gotta go somewhere else. <laughs> right. Yeah. It. <laughs> so the price, right, is is this barrier, and in and in we and in uh, in Vermont we have this uh, literature that the the state and a bunch of great organizations and people put together called the Farm to Plate Initiative, where they outline all these barriers to um, increasing local food consumption. So the goal is to increase local food consumption by to 10% by 2020. Oh, wow. And Okay, and so here we are, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we're identifying right now, is that the... 10% is our goal, and we're we're Vermont, so the most bi-local community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Whoa. Whoa. That... Right? So we better get yeah, to it. Yeah, absolutely. We, we absolutely. Better, we better get to it, people. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. So, so that's great. Okay, we, but at least we've set our goals, right, and we're, and we're moving toward them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and awareness and, is part and, of that. And in that in that plan, they say the biggest barrier to consumers is cost, and the mm. biggest barrier to producers is accessibility. Ah, right. So we that's why local voice is great because a website is the most accessible. Yes, it is source right to gather to gather the power of our our collective purchasing power right. Yeah. And it's also the the model of of pay ten dollars for twenty dollars makes cost go down to the consumer. Mm, okay, yeah, that's true. So we're sure. we're moving the needle. We're moving the mm-hmm. big we're moving the the big needle. Yeah. <laughs> the important one. <laughs> the real big one that's super heavy. The the barrier, yeah, that's the deal breaker needle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. No, that that's it's so true. And I think, you know, I think the what people don't realize is the more people that get behind and do local, you know, conscious consumption and, and are making those purchases, you know, it is eventually going to lower the cost for everyone, you know, because it will just it will just happen like that. And it's the same thing you're doing with that one time offer but it can happen on an ongoing basis whenever more people in the community start purchasing locally. So it all feeds the big cycle. It really does. Now, Dan, you have given us a lot of of real just nuggets of information and things that people could use um, as lessons and guideposts to kind of build some business practices around. Is there one parting piece of wisdom that you could share you know, as a business owner that's several years into your journey that maybe you know now, but you didn't know when you first started and you could share that piece of wisdom with someone else that might be getting started right now? I didn't know before that I... Yeah, anything you've learned. Yeah, anything that you've learned over the course of your journey that you just think, man, if I had, if I had only known this when I started, you know how it is. You look in hindsight, you think, man... Huh. 
I just don't look in hindsight, you know. You, do. <laughs> you live in the present. That's, that is absolutely I, fine. I had, a, I had a great basketball coach when I was a sophomore in, in high school. Uh-huh. And he used to say, learn from the past, live in the present, and prepare for the future. Very good words. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's really all you can do if you're a human being. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so do I have, like, pain from the past of things that haven't gone my way? Yeah, I've got, I've got ounces of pain sure. like anyone else does. Yeah, absolutely. But will I dwell on that and let that affect what, what I'm putting forth as an effort right now so I can have something better tomorrow? No. Right. So I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll, you know, without wanting to, you know, if I'm as I'm flawed as a human, right? But <laughs> yeah. but I'm not like I'm not gonna ever purposely look back. Yeah, unless right. unless it was you know one thing that's really funny is sometimes when you make a mistake and own up to it you you get a lot of respect from your customers. Ah, yes. We've, uh, I've got funny examples where we, we make an error in our email campaign about a merchant. You know, we, we had a, we had one where we, we used the word intimus as a, uh, uh, when we meant to use famous. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. You know, we got, we got both sides of customer service responses. We got, Lots of people saying, did you know you just made a, a pretty big grammatical error? Right? <laughs> right. And that makes us nervous. And so later in the day, we sent out the correction email and, and made fun of ourselves uh, uh-huh. for it. And we we got a lot of activity that day, you know. Yeah, I, I can and imagine. Positive, because... And positive feedback. And we also, you know, and some of the positive feedback was humorous, like, you know it's a slow day in B-Town, when the grammar police are out. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because some people don't read the editorial copy and they, they just look at the deal and they're they're on with their day. Yeah. And there are other people, the errorists we right. call them, that are <laughs> going to get every yeah, single one. Yeah, there's lots of people who pay attention or enjoy reading content about the business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, it's just funny experiences like that happen. It's, you know, it's like the Dwayne Wade commercial that, you know, it's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you get up. And so you sure. can turn these, you can turn a negative opportunity, you know, a negative, you know, event into a positive opportunity if you don't panic and be honest and straightforward with people. Well, and even when a situation like that comes up, look at all the engagement you got out of that. You got so much engagement out of your customer base. That's always yeah. a win, you know, so I think that's a good thing. Sure. Now, Dan, I wanted to give you the opportunity to promote anything you wanted to with local VOR right now because we might have some listeners that are in your area. And so we wanted to find out, number one, where we can find you online. And then uh, the very last thing is just giving you the opportunity to promote anything about local VOR that you want. Okay, great. Well, Right now on, on the site we have, you know, the, the um, website is localvor, T 
today. Uh huh. Okay. So that's okay. Local v o r e. Mhm. And then the word today dot com. Okay, and I'll link all this up in the show notes so people can just click right on it and go right to your website. Mhm. And you know, we want people to think of us as a e-commerce platform that's for buying local, and the first. Um, product that we have is a, is a daily deal, so we um, we help people save money for supporting local businesses. And as a local business ourselves, we we keep all your co- consumer dollars in the in the local economy. Ah, uh, um, yeah. Right, and so we we connect businesses, local businesses, with customers, um, and we we work a lot with nonprofits. Um, and you know we we have a social mission to strengthen the, the local economy. But on the site right now, you can you know there's a there's an offer from Dosty Brothers Frame Shop. Oh, okay. Uh, Stoha the Stoha Inn and Resort in Stowe, Vermont. Uh, Cucina Antica, which is a really nice uh, restaurant in Shelburne. Oh yeah. Pink, Pingula Cafe and Eatery in Winooski, which is a um, a brand new cafe and eatery uh, that doesn't use any animal products in their food. Oh wow! Um, very creative menu, very unique place. Um, I'm sure. Sounds like it. Yeah, and then we've got a, another restaurant, um, uh, Our House Bistro. So. Oh okay. Yeah, we've got a few different offers up and. Um, We've got a big campaign coming up on March uh, 24th, which is Monday, uh-huh. uh, with the uh, the Blue Paddle Bistro in South mm-hmm. Hero, Vermont. And we're hoping to sell about 3,000 vouchers um, oh, wow. to help raise uh, $10,000 uh, in part for or in part for $10,000 uh, toward the Vermont Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, you know, with a, a pay fifteen dollar for thirty dollar offer at the Blue Pal Bistro. Oh wow! Okay. Um, yeah. So the owners chipping in, Mandy Hotchkiss, um and Chef Phoebe, and uh, it's going to be an awesome campaign. We're we're trying to make some noise with this one and sell sure. a lot of sell a lot of vouchers. Um, well, we we definitely want to get the word out about that for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, we're, you know, we're hoping that, you know, we really see a, a spike in our engagement and and that customers start spreading the word more. Sure. Um, well, and we any just, anyone... And that's just an example of a merchant that is really, you know, getting behind us and our social mission and, and, sure. uh, and believing in it. And mm-hmm. that's what it takes is uh, a business owner like Mandy and, and Chef Phoebe who... You know, will you know they know their impact that they can have for us, so they're they're stepping up to the plate, and it's it's great to see it because they're they use the daily deal as a marketing tool, and they've worked with mm-hmm. our, our competition, and now uh, they're working with us, and we're just happy to happy to partner up with them. Um, and, and well, that is one example of the the good things we can do for you know a, a hospital like Fletcher Allen and the and the a worthy cause like the Vermont Children's Sure. Hospital. Yeah, absolutely. Those are all great things. And and the thing is, anyone that's listening to this after 
this uh, after March 24th, definitely go on the local VOR website and check it out because the, the deals change and the offers change, and um, there, there might be something new there um, as far as different campaigns for charitable and social um, type causes that would be there at the point in time you listen to this and get exposed to the website. So we will definitely link all this up on uh, the website for you um, in the show notes and also link up to your Facebook page. Um, you, do you use Twitter as well? We do, Twitter yeah. Now? Okay. At local, at local VT. Okay, great. We will lo- uh, link up to all that. We want to put all the places people can find you online on there and we'll make sure people can get to you. So definitely um, we'll, we'll put that out there for you and dan thank i can't so thank much, you enough Christy. for sharing time Are with you us kidding? today you. yeah <laughs> i just really i enjoy You're talking to you. people that have the same local mission and hearing your passion for it and what you can do in the local community you know it can be replicated over and over and over again that's all right. across the country so that's, that's right. what I mean, i'm my, my folks uh spend a lot of time in naples florida and oh cool i'm ready for local for florida and Local work yeah, South Carolina. So definitely, definitely. out there that want to that want to work together. Let's do it. Absolutely. Well, we'll put ways to get on, get in touch with you on the show notes. And thank you again for being an awesome guest and sharing your passion with us tonight, Dan. And you have no, a you fantastic bet. evening. Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick-and-mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.